Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather in this place and to open the Word of God. You alone are worthy of our praise. We have our sister and brothers have sought to bring us into your presence, and we thank you for it. We thank you for them. We thank you for their commitment each week to lead us in worship. We pray tonight, Lord, that you might help us in the various circumstances of life and all that uh, happens and is happening in our lives. We know that you are in control of our lives, you care about us, and that you love us as your children. We pray tonight that as we open your word and as we go back again to these words in that are found in the book of Exodus, that they might teach us truths about the Lord Jesus Christ. They point to Him these words, these actions, these things you did with Moses. They point toward the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> they glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and tell us many things about who He is and His majesty and glory and also about us who are believers in Christ. So may these truths be effective in our lives tonight, and may we learn what it is that you have for us from these words. Thank you for the privilege, the privilege of having a Bible in our own language, and thank you for the privilege of being able to meet here unharmed, unhindered, without harassment, in order to study the Word of God and to hear it tonight. May it be a blessing for us for our eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, can you bring me up a little bit in volume? Thank you, Mr. Metcalf. I appreciate it. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you. I'm glad you got your rain gear or whatever you have, and we'll try to float our way out of here. And all of you who are joining us online, may the Lord bless you. <clears throat> we miss you. We thank God for you. We're glad that you can join us this way, uh, even when you can't be with us. <clears throat> so we're back in Exodus now, looking tonight at this very, very special chapter on the garments of the priests. So tonight we talk about holy clothing. We talk about holy clothing. And uh, we'll make some applications. We'll read it. You know, again, every part of God's Word is uh, valuable and every word matters. So we'll read all the words and we'll look at them together. I do encourage you, if you're not as familiar, some here are very familiar, uh, but others may not be, go out sometime on your computer and just look up the priestly garments of Aaron and, uh, and you will see these things, the visuals of them. The, the visual clothing that God designed for the priests and for the high priest are are significant in themselves. And I'll try to say a little bit about that tonight. So our focal truth tonight before we read Exodus 28 is this, that God gave to Moses the instructions for the clothing of the priests of God. So remember where we are. Israel has been taken and delivered from Egypt. They've been brought into the wilderness. They've met God at the mountain. Uh, they have experienced the glory of God and the majesty of God in that. They've received the Ten Commandments. Uh, they've been given these directions <clears throat> now to build the place of worship, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. Uh, these things are now being given, and we're in this section of now developing. So we move from furniture to clothing. Oh, we went from furniture, and, and back a few chapters, we went to furniture, to screens, and to covers, and now to clothes. 
How's that? I've said it to you again now. The Lord is detailed, isn't He? He doesn't leave anything out. And so as we read these words, I know that sometimes this is hard for many of our dear people. I've mentioned it to you before. Somebody will say to me, you know, new Christians, especially when you get them in their Bible reading. Well, boy, some of that stuff I was reading, Pastor Mike, over there in Exodus and Leviticus, boy, it sure seemed really tedious and long. Yes, God is a God of absolute detail, precision. And so we love that, don't we? Uh, these primary verses we'll come back to in a minute, and I'll highlight 28.1, 28.3, 28.4. Those of you who are online, I've mentioned it to you before. Uh, the outline is always available on the website. If you'd like to have it up there, you can look at it. Let's read and hear the word of the Lord, uh, Exodus 28. Then bring near to yourself Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the sons of Israel. Please notice the language, to minister as priests to me. Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, Ethanar, Aaron's sons, you shall, you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. And you shall speak to all the skillful persons whom I have endowed with the spirit of wisdom, that they may that they make Aaron's garments, please notice this is the second passage I have up there at the beginning, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister as priest to me. These are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a tunic, of checkered work, a turban, a sash, and they shall make holy garments, notice the language, they shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons, that he may, again, minister to me, minister at, as priest to me. They shall take the gold and the blue and the purple and the scarlet materials and the fine linen. They shall also make the ephod of gold, of blue and purple and scarlet material, fine twisted linen, the work of the skillful workman. It shall have two shoulder pieces joined to its two ends that it may be joined. The skillfully woven band which is on it shall be like its workmanship of the same material of gold, of blue and purple, scarlet material and fine twisted linen. You shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel. Six of their names on the one stone and the names of the remaining six on the other stone according to their birth. As a jeweler engraves a signet, you shall engrave the two stones according to the names of the sons of Israel. And you shall set them in uh, filigree uh, settings of gold. You shall put the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of memorial for the sons of Israel and Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord. Please notice the language. Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for a memorial. And you shall make filigree settings of gold and the two chains of pure gold shall make them of twisted cordage work and you shall put the corded chains on the filigree settings. You shall make a breast piece of judgment, the work of a skillful workman, like the work of the ephod, you shall make it of gold. Of blue and purple scarlet materials and fine twisted linen, you shall make it. It shall be square and folded double, 
a span in length and a span in width. Span, by the way, is your thumb to your finger. This is a span. This is a span. You shall, you shall mount it on four rows of stones, and the first row shall be a row of rubies, topaz, emerald, second row, turquoise, sapphire, diamond. The, the third uh, now, jacinths and agate, amethysts. Amethyst, excuse me. And the fourth row, beryl, onyx, and jasper. They shall set the gold in filigree. The stone shall be according to the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names. They shall be like the engravings of the seal, of a seal, according to his name for the twelve tribes. You shall make on the breastplate chains of twisted cordage work in pure gold. You shall make on the breastplate two things, two rings of gold, and shall put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. And you shall put the two cords of gold on the two rings at the ends of the breastplate. You shall put the other two ends of the two cords on the two filigree settings and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod at the front of it. And you shall make two rings of gold and shall place them on the two ends of the breastplate on the edge of it, which is toward the inner side of the ephod. You shall make two rings of gold and put them on the bottom of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod, on the front of it, close to the place where it is joined, above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. They shall bind the breastplate by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a blue cord, so that it will be on skillfully woven band, the ephod, and that the breastplate will not come loose <clears throat> from the ephod. Aaron, please notice 29, very important word. Aaron shall carry the names of the sons of Israel and the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he enters the holy place. This is the holy of holies for a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart. Again, when he goes before the Lord, and Aaron shall carry the judgment of the sons of Israel, uh, the sons of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. And you shall make the robe of the ephod all the blue, all of blue. There shall be an opening at its top, in the middle of it, around it, Around its uh, opening, there shall be a binding of woven work like the opening of a coat of mail so that it will not be torn. You shall make on it hem, uh, on its hem, on its hem, pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet material all around on its hem and bells of gold between them all around. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate all around on the hem of the robe. It shall be on Aaron when he ministers, please notice again, and, it, and its tinkling shall be heard when he enters and leaves the holy place before the Lord so that he will not die. 36, you shall also make a plate of pure gold and shall engrave on it like the engravings of a seal. Please notice what is engraved. Holy to the Lord. You shall fasten it on a blue cord and it shall be on the turban. It shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead. And Aaron shall take away the iniquity of the holy things which the sons of Israel consecrate with regard to all their holy gifts. And it shall be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. 39. You shall weave the tunic of checkered work of fine linen. And you shall make a turban of fine linen 
and you shall make a sash, the work of a weaver. For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics. You shall also make sashes for them, and you shall make caps for them, for, the glor for glory and for beauty. Please notice that phrase. You shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him, and you shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen breeches, undercovers, undergarments, to cover their bare flesh that they, sh they, shall, uh, they shall reach from the loins even to the thighs. They shall be on Aaron and his sons when they enter the tent of meeting or when they approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they do not incur guilt and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and to his descendants after him. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. Back to 28.1. Bring near Aaron, your brother, and his sons to minister as priests to me. This phrase is very important. This is now. Uh, this is now. So the, the tent is gathered. Who will be those who will minister before the Lord on behalf of the people? Well, the answer is the tribe of Levi, Aaron and his sons. They are, they are given this assignment. They are chosen by God to do this. You shall speak, verse 28.3, you shall speak to all the skillful persons endowed with the spirit of wisdom and they will make Aaron's garments to consecrate him. Notice these garments are to make him, these are holy garments. They take, they take this man uh, in his uh, natural condition and in his natural condition now these garments consecrate him. These are holy clothes. These are the holy clothes of the priest of Israel so that he may minister. You minister before God in your holy clothes. You minister at the tabernacle before God in your holy clothes. You, you come before the Lord in your holy clothes that you may minister as a priest to Him. You don't wear your common clothes. You wear your holy clothes as the priest. 28.4, these, uh, these garments which they shall make uh, and then they, and he lists the breastplate, uh, the ephod, the robe, the tunic of checkered work, turban, sash. They shall, they shall make, notice, holy garments. I want to emphasize this. Holy clothes for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, that they may minister as priests to me. We minister to God in our holy clothes. The Lord says, your, the priests minister to me in the holy clothes. So tonight we talk about holy clothes. The holy clothes of the high priest and of the priests of God to Israel. So number one, God reveals to Moses that Aaron and his sons will minister to God as priests. First of all, we're now introduced to this matter of priests. Those who stand and minister between man and God. We know these principles tonight. All of us, I know everybody in this room very well. We know these principles, many of you who listen to me. However, we're reminded, now we're brought back. This is the good thing about studying the Word of God chapter by chapter, word by word, verse by verse, because we're brought back. We're brought back when we do these things to remember important truths, spiritual truths for our life. Now we think about priesthood. Now we think about priesthood. 
So these, I've given you some things in your outline. The priestly garments set apart Aaron and his sons as priests. All the rest of the people are gathered. So there's the tent. The tent, we know the tabernacle is going to be in the center of the, of the entire uh, crowd of Israel. All the tribes around, Levites in the middle. There's the tent. There's the place of worship in the center of all God's people. Beautiful even in the way it was organized. That the tent was there and here they all are. But now, but now we see that these uh, ones who go in to do the work in the tabernacle on the outer part around sacrificing, those who go in to do the work in the holy place and then the high priest once a year in the holy of holies, they wear different clothes. They wear different clothes as they enter in to do their ministry before God. The ephod. Again, we just read it. I'll just, I gave you just a brief description. It's a waistcoat. You know, it, it, would, be, it would be the length of a waistcoat. Uh, you know, of two pieces. One to cover the chest, the other the back. The breastplate. Twelve stones. Of course, we saw, we saw that the uh, ephod is linked with two stones at the shoulders with, with engraved, with the engraved, uh, the engraved names of the tribes of Israel on either shoulder and then on the breastplate. The breastplate, uh, uh, we have this, uh, the twelve stones with the names of the tribes. And of course, those of you, know, my great-grandfather was a jeweler. Uh, he'd be ashamed of me for not being as up on my stones as I should be. Uh, but we all know, and you can look these up, the brilliance of these colors of these stones. The brilliance of the, stellar, the, the, the brilliance of the stones. There they are laid in this blue, unbelievably beautiful breastplate. And it's Israel's names. Uh, and uh, what a precious thing it is to think about as the high priest wears the names of Israel by birth order into the presence of God in the holy place, the holy of holies. The robe, it's a, it's a robe with a hole in the head, you know, a hole in the top. It's just one common, it's one piece, it's without a seam. And at the top, it's, you know, you ladies in here know more about this. It's, you know, make sure that it doesn't rip out, it's reinforced at the top. A blue robe, an ephod, a breastplate, a blue robe. And then a turban, a white headdress made from linen in the shape of a crown in the way it was designed. And I'm, I'm elaborating here from some other places in Leviticus and others, but I'm just, I'm just describing for you here. And again, you can look at this. This is a, it's a crown on the priest. It's a crown on the priest. It's a priest with a crown. These things are pointing somewhere. These things are pointing somewhere. And then the sash, you know, sometimes called the girdle, it's coming across this uh, clothing and the coat and the, underclo and the underclothing. And then, of course, the, there is this significance. It's not a piece of clothing, but it is a plate. And it is a significant plate. It is the plate we read about in verse number 36. You shall also make a plate of pure gold and shall engrave on it Holy to the Lord. And where does the plate go? Right on the right in the center of the turban. Right in the center. So the priest enters in this glorious, the high priest enters the presence of God in this kind of clothing. The high priest who represents all of Israel.
before God on one day a year as He pr provides the great atonement sacrifice at Passover. Oh, this is pointing somewhere, isn't it? It's pointing somewhere. Secondly, God reveals to Moses that the priest's clothing is holy clothing, as I've mentioned. And I apologize for letters D and E. They actually go under the bottom. And because Pastor Mike is typingly challenged, I missed it. So don't fuss at me. Just mark them out. They go down under number three. How's that? But I have three things for you to think about here. I want us now to pause for a minute. Did you read all of this over and over, repeated, this repeated phrasing of... Uh, these holy garments show the glory and beauty of the priesthood of God. There is nothing more beautiful than worshiping God. There's nothing more beautiful. There's nothing more glorious than worshiping God. This is verse 2. You shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. God is a God of beauty. God is a God of glory and majesty. God is a God of holiness. And all that He makes is good. And all that He makes is glorious. And all that He makes is beautiful. It is man who corrupts what God has made good and beautiful. I want you to think about this tonight because the very clothes that the priests wear speak of beauty and glory. This is better than any... Clothing that they brought out of Egypt. This is, more, this is more glorious than anything they would have had with them as they brought things from Egypt. And they had seen a lot of quite impressive, beautiful clothes from Egypt. But now on the mountain of God, Moses is given heavenly clothing for the high priest to wear that demonstrate and speak of beauty and glory. So think about this. Here's all these little children out there. You have to use your imagination. Here's all these little children surrounding the tent. And they know they're gathering. And there, as we've talked about already, the blood is flowing. The animals are being sacrificed. And the smoke is rising. But there go these, these special ones. They're dressed different from all of the rest of the common people. And they're doing this busy work up there. And then once a year... Oh, that glorious day, this one comes out and stands before them who's dressed completely different than even those who are doing the other ministry work. And he has an ephod and a breastplate and a turban, like a crown and a sash and, and a grave plate that says, Holy to the Lord. And he goes in to that hidden place. And all you hear are tinkling bells. That's all you hear. The silence, the drama of it, the glory and beauty of it, that this one comes out and stands before all of Israel completely clothed in glorious, beautiful, holy, worshipful clothes. There's a lot here. There's a lot here. We'll get to it in just a moment. But I want you to think about the beauty of the eyes. How colorful, how colorful this is. We saw that the drab tent had colors on the inside, remember? We talked about this a few weeks ago. 
you know, when the, when the priests go in, what do they see above them? Well, they see the angels and the stars and the blues within the tent, though it looks so drab on the outside. You walk into the very presence of, it's heaven on earth. The tent represents it's heaven on earth. It's a picture. And there they see these beautiful colors and they see the, the angels and they see the gold and they see there in the flickering of the, of the menorah. What a beautiful thing it is. It's beautiful to the eyes. To meet God is to, is to meet Him and, and it, it is a beautiful, pleasing thing to our eyes. I, I, I Just down here again, how many times do we read this? Verse 5, They shall take the gold and the blue and the purple and the scarlet material and the fine linen. Think of those colors. They shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, of purple, scarlet material, fine twisted linen, beautiful colors, beautiful to the eyes. Beautiful to the eyes. And these holy garments are beautiful to the ears. All the senses are affected by the worship at the tabernacle. <coughs> there are the smells. There are the tastes. The bread, there is what the beauty of the eyes and the colors. And there's what you hear. On the outside, there is this sound of sacrifice. You know, I don't know. I'm not trying to be brutal. You know, my, my brother-in-law, you know, he's a butcher. Well, you know, you roll them in and you know what you do when, you're, when you bring the cattle in for slaughter. He does it every day. That's what he does every day of his life. Well, it's not a real quiet place. It's kind of... Noisy place when you're slaughtering cattle and all kinds of animals. So you've got the noise of all the sacrifice that ends at the place where you hear nothing but tinkling bells in the presence of God. All of the senses are affected as we worship God. When you worship God, it affects what you see, it affects what you hear, it affects what you taste and what you touch. All the senses are affected. The, the ringing of the bells. The ringing of the bells. Uh, how, does it, how does it read there? Uh, when we're looking at this whole matter of these bells, I love the phrase, only a preacher would pick it out, but I like it. Verse 33, you shall make... On its hem, pomegranates of blue and purple, scarlet material, colorful pomegranates, and around its hem, bells of gold between them all. And here's the preacher phrase. A golden bell and a pomegranate. A golden bell and a pomegranate. A golden bell and a pomegranate. I've said to you before, when the high priest went in, there was not, he did not pray, he did not speak. He came into the glorious presence of God there at the mercy seat. And what did He do? You heard the sprinkling of blood and the tinkling of bells. That's all you hear. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And the bells tinkle. And why are the bells there? God forbid the great high priest comes in and he has sin in his life because they also tied a rope to his ankle. In case he died, they drug him out. There is something very significant and serious when we come to worship God, and I don't know how it is, but we lose it in the early, we lose it in the church today. 
we have these phrases. There are all these phrases that are from these, this picture here. What is it to worship God and to pray? It's to draw near to God. And I continue to ask this church and to ask all of you who are hearing me tonight or who will listen to these words at some time, are you drawing near to God? When you come into the presence of, the, of God, do you have on your holy clothes? And I don't mean your fine pressed dress or shirt from Walmart. The beauty of, the beauty of this, the, the, the effect of worship on my physical uh, senses becomes quite important for us as we think about this. So God reveals, number three, to Moses that the priest's clothing is to be worn as they minister before the Lord. Again, repeating, revealing the holiness of the priesthood. I want to go back to it again and look for just a moment in emphasis about at verses 36 through 38. I've put them there for you to read with me. You shall also make a plate of gold and shall engrave on it like the engravings of a seal, holy to the Lord. You shall fasten it on the blue cord and it shall be on the turban, the front of the turban, and it shall be on Aaron's forehead and shall... And Aaron shall take away the iniquity of the holy things which the sons of Israel consecrate with regard to their all their holy gifts, and it shall always be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. The high priest brings us acceptance with God because he is holy before the Lord. So the holy garments are permanent. There wasn't going to be a change. It doesn't say here, do this until you get to the promised land to the land I promised to Abraham. No, there's no change now. These will be the holy clothes of the priests and of the high priest for all of the days that the tabernacle or the temple stands. They are permanent holy clothes. These holy garments are engraved. I want to talk about engraving. Think of the, how is it described here by these who did it? Uh, you shall speak to skillful persons. I would say it's going to take some skill out in the middle of the, of the Sinai desert to have the skill to engrave with detail on stones the names of the tribes of Israel. Can you imagine this? Let's, let's get this in our minds. This is a supernatural thing done that God gave to these engravers to be able to do this. But you know what an engraving... When you engrave the stone, it's permanent. Right? It's permanent. It, it doesn't come out. So we have this permanence here. It is the engraving set with stones and the gold plates reminding us of permanent priestly ministry. Permanent priestly ministry. We minister to God. We come as priests to God. We come to serve Him in all that it means. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. I want to get to that. And then the clothes cover the humanity of the priests. So the engravings, not only the colors, but the stones engraved tell us about the permanence of priesthood. And these stones engraved then help us to understand, my dear people, that these clothes cover the frailty and the nakedness of the priests. So they're up and down, they're climbing up, they're going up to the altar, they're bringing these things. The point is, look how God is so careful so that there is no lack of protection, there is modesty, there is honor and glory, even in holy underwear. Holy underwear. That's what this is. In 42, 
and 43. And the word of the Lord is here because this reminds us, I don't want to overly spiritualize it, but I do want to say there's something to this in our own worship today. There is something that troubles me. Maybe it's just because I've become an old man. You know, we don't want to be shameful in the way we worship publicly. We don't want to show shame. We don't want to exhibit shame. We want to demonstrate modesty and holiness in our demeanor, in our dress, in our looks as we worship. And that's why I read carefully this verse. And I, I, again, I'm not trying to go to seed on it. But they shall be on Aaron and his sons. And when they enter the tent of meeting or when they approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they do not incur guilt and die. We must cover ourselves with holy clothes from the inside out as we appear before God. Well, I hope that's been a good description for you. But now I have two things for us. Oh, now these are, I'm very excited. This is my commercial. So for everyone, this small group here tonight, but this will go out. I am excited because Sunday we begin to talk about what I believe is one of the most precious, sweetest, but most neglected uh, truths about the Lord Jesus Christ in the Word of God, and that is about His great high priesthood. It is the most misunderstood, most forgotten, most unappreciated. If you do not know and appreciate the Lord Jesus as your high priest as a Christian, you are, a, you are, you have, you have missed something of the sweetness of knowing God that will help you through all the troubles of life. And that's what I'm going to be really working on for quite a while in the days ahead, Lord willing. Because we must learn about the Lord Jesus, our high priest. So number one, the priests of Israel were pointing somewhere. The, the, the whole work of the priests of Israel pointed to something beyond them. To someone beyond them. And that is, praise God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is our glorious high priest. I ask you today, have you gone to your priest? Have you gone to your priest? And I'm not a Catholic. I can promise you that. I'm a Baptist. But have you gone to your priest? Well, let's, let's, I'm, I've, done it in, I've done it in this way because I want you to see line by line, Hebrews 5. You'll, this Wednesday night group, bless your heart. Sometimes you hear you know, me repeat myself, but that's okay. Uh, I need to because not everybody's here, but I will come back to these words in the days ahead. But I want you to see them because notice what they say. Every priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God. That's what a priest is for, to represent men before God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for their sins. That's what the priest does. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided, since he himself also is beset with weakness. Now this is speaking of human priests in Israel. Because of it, he is obligated, notice his, here's his obligation as a priest, to offer sacrifices for sin. As for the people, so also for himself. Uh, uh, this is Hebrews 5.4. No one takes the honor to himself. No one just decides I'm going to be a priest but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was called. That's what we read, didn't we? In chapter 28, verse 1, Then bring near to yourself Aaron and your brothers to minister as priests to me. These are the ones I've chosen. 
No one takes this honor. And then verse 5, So also Christ did not glorify Himself so as to become a high priest. And then I didn't put the rest of uh, 5 and 6 in there, but He was called according to the order of Melchizedek. He was called and appointed by God to be our great high priest. In the days of His flesh, notice what our high priest did. He offered up both prayers and supplications. I want you to read carefully how the Lord prayed. You pray like this? I want you to look at how the Lord prayed. He prayed with prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. You pray like that? And he was heard because of his piety. Although a son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Having been made perfect, that doesn't mean he wasn't perfect. It means that he's completed his task. He fulfilled his work. He died on the cross. Having made, having completed, having completed his work, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Please notice verse 5. Being designated by God as high priest according to the order, not of Aaron, but of another order. An order of one who was a king priest, Melchizedek. So we see here, and, and this is where I'll open these things up and we'll talk about them. And you pray for me because this is very important for our people. I hope that it will be a warming, encouraging, wonderful thing for our people to learn and, and come to know when they draw near to God, they draw near and they come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest, and you meet your high priest, our priest king, and you speak to him. And guess what? He feels what you feel. He feels what you feel. And that'll be for Sunday. But let me come in the end here to talk about something else. The priests of Israel also point not only to the high priesthood of Jesus Christ, but here's an old, here's an old classic thing for us, but this is, boy, let's don't miss this. It also points to the priesthood of believers. I'm not criticizing, I'm not, no, what I'm about to say, I'm not criticizing, I'm just making an observation. There are some in the Christian world who still uh, have this challenge with priesthood and those who would represent them before God rather than them representing themselves. This is so important for us as those who are believing Baptists. We are champions of this matter of priesthood of believer. This is so essential to you. It's, in fact, it's become so commonplace to us, we, we don't always unload this. But I, I give you 1 Peter 2, 5, uh, 1 Peter 2.5, 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.10. You also, believers, as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's what we all do here. You're now, you're now being built up into a whole... You are now a holy priest of God since you've been saved. And your job as a holy priest of God is to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Notice you are a royal priesthood, king priesthood. 
a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. 2.10, for you once were not a people. This is all of us who are the unsaved who've been saved in the world. We're, you know, we're not of Israel here. We're, we're the new Israel. We're, we're God's new people through Christ. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. So I give you this statement about priesthood of believer in number D, letter D. All believers share in the priesthood. Every person here tonight is a priest before God. It doesn't mean that as a pastor I don't have a function and a role, but I'm no better than you. We're the same. No other minister here. No, no, we are all ministers to God. We all serve God and we are all priests to God. I'm a pastor here to teach and to equip saints to do the work of ministry. That's my job. That's my assignment. That's my responsibility. But I'm not, I'm not different. I'm not, I don't have a special angle. You know, like a fellow came, Pastor, and I know you know you got a little extra angle with God. I have no extra angle, whatever he meant by that. I have no extra anything with God. I'm a sinner saved by grace called to do the ministry I do, and I'm just like you. We are all the same. We are all, we are all in this room, and all you who listen to me who are saved, we're all those who share a common priesthood of believers. And there's not a special class, I've, I've quoted it here for you, there's not a special class of people who mediate the knowledge and presence uh, and forgiveness of Christ to the rest of believers. They don't bless you, they don't give you some special anointing. They don't give you penance. They don't give you forgiveness. No, none of that relies and stands with any man or woman, I must say, in this day and time. We are all believers with equal access to God. And we all have the right, the authority, and I should have added responsibility to read and interpret and apply the Word of God. No lazy priests. No lazy priests. We all pick up the Word of God and we read it. And it's our responsibility to read it and to hear it. So, no lazy priests. You can quote <laughs> No lazy priests. All believers have the right to read God's Word. That's why it's in our language. That's why it's in our language. I want you to think about this. I don't want to chase this rabbit too much, but in, in the medieval times of the church, when only even not even all of those Roman Catholic priests could even read themselves, it was a very small group who could read and Bibles were chained to a pulpit. I'm not making this up. The Bible was chained to a pulpit, a chancellery. And nobody had one. But then the light of the Reformation started to come, praise God, and people began to think about the just shall live by faith, and the just are all God's people, and the barriers started coming down. Nobody stands between you and God to interpret for you. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You have teachers given to you. We have the blessing of being together and joining together as we learn the Word of God and we pray and we worship God together in this spiritual place. There's no, there's no things in here. We're not filled with a bunch of things. We, we, this is spiritual worship. Our buildings are rather drab. They don't look very fancy, do they? They're not very ornate. 
because it's a meeting house. The first place God met with His people was a tent. All believers share equal access to God through the Lord Jesus Christ who is our, our mediator. Aren't you all glad of that tonight? I am. All believers share a spiritual giftedness to serve as priests to God and His people. You have been given spiritual gifts. Are you using no lazy priests? And all believers worship God individually and corporately, praising God and glorifying and honor, honoring Jesus Christ. So, I take you now to one place in your Bible as we finish. So, what kind of holy clothing should you be putting on? I have it for you. I have for you your holy clothing. Are you ready for it? Colossians chapter 3, verse number 12. I have the holy clothing. Do you want to know what clothing you're supposed to wear? Oh, Pastor Mike, I've got to wear a tie to church. Oh, my soul, my body. You know, I, we're done with this. That's not the point. No, it's not an outer clothing. That is the clothing of God's, the Lord Jesus, priests. Let's just read what Paul said. Colossians 3.12. So, as those who have been chosen of God, Holy and beloved, put on. The literal Greek word is like a, like a, a coat. Put on, like a clothing. Clothe yourself, some translations read, with a heart of compassion. Here's your holy clothing. A heart of compassion, a heart of kindness, a heart of humility, a heart of gentleness, a heart of patience. Put on the clothing of putting up with one another. How do you like that one? And forgiving each other. There's your clothing. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so should you. I, here's the way I grew up reading it. If, anyone has a if you have a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, drop it. Get over it. But let's go on, 14. Beyond all this clothing, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. To the praise of the glory of His grace. The Lord is near to the door, and we pray, come Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the wonderful, blessed Word of God. The colors, the engravings, the stones the majesty and the glory and beauty of worship before a holy God. When holy people come and worship a holy God, it changes them. And there is glory and beauty in it. May we see this from this beautiful reminder in Exodus 28 to the glory of God. Bless my dear friends as they travel home. Thank you for... We pray that on Sunday you might allow us to gather in this place so that we might bring praise and honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Good to see you. And I hope you have a good week. And I hope you brought your umbrella. <laughs>